Can you become a better giver by learning from a con artist? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the Parsha of Vayetze. Yaakov, Jacob, at the end of last week's Parsha, has had to run away from his brother Esav, who wants to kill him. He's running away from home and comes in this week's Parsha to Haran, to the region of of our foundation, where Avraham's family had been, where Avraham had sent Eliezer to find a wife for Yitzchak, for Isaac, and comes back with Rivka or Rebecca. And now Yaakov goes there and ends up marrying Rachel and Leah, or first Leah and then Rachel, together with Bilhah and Zilpah, and having the, the family that becomes the nation of Israel. Well, there's a character that bridges several of these parshas, the brother of Rivka, the father of Rachel and Leah, father-in-law of Yaakov, and that is Lavan. Lavan or Laban. Lavan, who is, in the perspective of our sages, the ultimate Ramai, the ultimate cheat, the ultimate manipulator, the ultimate con artist. Lavan, who is sly, slips Leah in in place of Rachel when Yaakov thinks he's marrying Rachel. Lavan, who manipulates the terms of the contract so that Yaakov is constantly being cheated out of his sheep and the development of his flocks. Lavan is seen as Mr. Look at his name, by the way. Mr. White. Clean. Perfect? (laughs) Not quite. Portrays himself as pure and sweet and very much the opposite. Very much constantly looking, what can I get? greedily looking, how can I take advantage of the other? And it might seem a little peculiar that here, he's brother of Rivka, father of Rachel and Leah, he's so bound up with our family. And by the way, it's not just love on his father, Basuel, when Eliezer came to find a wife. Uh, by tradition, the reason Basuel disappears from the scene and all the final discussions are with Lavan is because Basul tried to slip some poison into Eliezer's drink. Or let's say he did slip the poison into the drink, but made a bad mistake of drinking the drink that he had placed the poison into. Ends up dying rather than killing Eliezer. But here it's such, again, cunning. And, and they're not simply out there with their bow and arrow or their hitman. They're, they're trying to destroy us in much more manipulative, behind-the-scenes manner. And in fact, in the Pesach Seder, we refer to Lavan when we say Arami Oved Avi. An Aramean, the one from Aram, was Oved was the destroyer of my father. Tried to destroy us, tried to destroy, destroy through his manipulation, and tried to destroy through his love. It's my family. You have to run away from me. I'd rather you stay put. You're all together. Let's be one big happy family. And Lavan is eager to have us disappear, assimilate into his type of character and his type of culture, a, a very different type of an attack we have suffered throughout history with many who were out there trying to destroy us, but he tries to destroy us in ways that are very hard to measure, hard to quantify. And again, in sync with his name, I look perfect, I look smooth, I look kosher, and really very much not the case. Well, is there anything that we glean and we gain by having this character play such a fundamental position and be part of the genetic material 
of our nation of Israel. <laughs> if, if Jacob's wives are his daughters, well, we all got a little bit of love on in us. And even going back in the generation of Rivka's his sister, there's some kind of commonality over here. So fascinating thought I heard years back in the name of Rabbi Yochanan Zweig, Rosh Hashiva in Miami Beach, Florida. And I, I'm sure I'm not doing the, the idea justice, but I'm going to just share the element that I understood from it and hopefully a tactless message for us today. And he shared the following. There's a common denominator between the Khan artist and the Baal Chesed. The Baal Chesed, Chesed as in kindness, the person who isn't just kind, but he's a master of kindness. What is the common thread between the Khan artist and the master of kindness? What can one who is trying to develop into a master of kindness learn from the Khan artist? Well, a successful Khan artist, none of you would hopefully know this, but from what we understand about the successful Khan artist, is he has learned how to find the point of vulnerability, the point of weakness in his victim. He's keen, he's able to determine what you feel you're missing and how I can play into that. Where you feel that you are in need and I can play into your fears, your needs. And hey, today, the scammers who take advantage of the elderly, take advantage of the immigrant, take advantage of the, this is the IRS calling, and who play on people's fears and, uh-oh, there's an authority figure I'm automatically feeling that who am I to argue and to challenge that. They play on those weaknesses in, their, in the vulnerability of human beings and they take advantage of that. Well, now let's move to the other side of the fence. Someone who is trying to be a person of kindness. If I try to be kind by just doing nice things, okay, nice guy, doing nice things, but I may not be receptive to your needs. I may not be responsive to your needs, and I may be technically missing the boat. My kindness may be shallow. My kindness actually may be counterproductive. Years back, I had a situation where somebody was making such a big deal about the fact that he finally got this guy to taste some of the wine he had at his Shabbos table, because this guy kept saying how, oh yeah, there's no such thing as good kosher wine. Oh, he was remembering the very syrupy, cough medicine style wines that uh, many of us grew up with, and didn't know there actually were some really good kosher wines in the market. And he's a guest at this friend of mine's table, and uh, talking, and some of the topic of wine came up, and he'd refused to take any wine at Kiddush, and he didn't want any wine later on in the meal, and my friend's like nudging him and explaining to him, you got to taste it. So my friend is all proud of the fact that he got this guy to finally taste some wine, and he fully agreed, you know, better than anything he would have expected. Well, tragically, my friend wasn't aware that this guy is working very hard on breaking a very bad habit, and he at that point was clean... It wasn't a super long time, but it was for sure several months since he had a drink and he was working in an AA type of a setting. And he was avoiding having the wine for other reasons, using this as kind of an excuse. But finally, hey, the last thing a guy like that needs is somebody encouraging him to have a drink. And he finally gave in. Okay, as a social nicety, I guess it's appropriate for me to listen to my host and have the drink. But that was a very unkind kindness. Right? 
thought he was doing him a favor and helping him explore the, the fact there's a good wine out there and he'll appreciate it and go get himself some nice bottles and actually doing a very big disfavor. A little bit of an extreme example, but how often is it that I have predetermined what it is that I can do for you without being fully mindful of what it is that you actually need? So it, it takes attentiveness, mindfulness. It takes a little more work. It's not just automatically as I feel good about giving you and I, and I give you, you know, the Torah preaches, love your neighbor like yourself. So what that does not mean is that if you love vanilla ice cream, make sure that everybody else has a scoop of vanilla ice cream. You know, you can have five guys around a table, and you can make sure each one of them has a scoop of vanilla. Okay, the first guy or two likes it. The next one really does not like vanilla. The next one has a lactose intolerance. The next one is dangerously allergic to dairy. You're not doing them a service by giving them a scoop of vanilla ice cream because that's what you love. The love your neighbor like yourself means as much as you would appreciate getting that scoop of vanilla ice cream, see to it that you're offering other people things that they can appreciate as much. So for one guy, it may be the ice cream. For another guy, it's going to be some sushi. It's going to be, for another one, it may not be food at all. But you know, find the thing that makes them happy. You love yourself. You like getting that food, that gift, that encouragement. All those things you like, find the equivalent for each of the other parties. And again, this takes more perce- you know, perception. But the con artist isn't going to let something like this you know, fall by the wayside. He's constantly attentive to what it is that each person, where is each person's point of vulnerability, their point of weakness, and how you can manipulate that. We should be eager to do the same in a very contrary way. How can I manipulate, how can I maneuver, find the weakness, and respond to that to resolve it, to see to it that they're no longer weak. So we should be up there the, like the scammer, constantly playing on other people's weakness. We should be constantly in tune looking for that weakness, hoping there aren't any there. Hey, that's the ideal. You know, if, if we could be in a world that nobody has any needs and we're not needed to fill in any need, amazing. But if there's a world still filled with human beings, we can probably find the areas that they have some needs that we can fill. So being tactless focused, how can we learn from the character like Lovin? How can we recognize that, hey, if we have some of his DNA in us, how can we activate it and actualize, use it to its fullest potential, let's try to be fully attentive to what it is that each person that we interact with, where they have a need, where there's something missing in their life, where there's something that potentially we could be the resource to to help fill in. Now, we've shared at other times, when we think too broadly, we can be so spread thin as to not be effective, and then kind of burn out of it. As a talus takeaway, I would recommend doing this with a very small pool of people at first. And the small, that pool of people may be people you interface with imminently. It may be as you come home. What is your spouse, your child, your parent? What is their biggest need in the moment? What, is their, what can I do for them? Not simply because it makes me feel good to be doing, but because it's actually of benefit to them. Maybe financial maybe time, it may be emotion, attentiveness, whatever that is. But kind of survey that small 
pool of people that you're going to interact with most eminently, people you're going to interface with in the next several hours, and be attentive to what can I do for them. That'll be a great use of this love on DNA, of this love on character, and ultimately, all those people we interface with will benefit. We'll benefit because we'll be expanding our chesed capacity, our chesed muscles will be strengthened, and we'll be able to then expand that to the next you know, kind of concentric circles that ever expanding you know, that first pool of people we interact with. As we get used to doing this, it'll probably naturally extend itself to others as well. We'll become the real Baalei Chesed, the real providers, the, the masters of kindness, and we'll be the type of people far more likely to achieve Eratachlis.